Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're continuing, of course, our study of Paul's letter to his fellow worker, Timothy. And it's a powerful letter. It's a very practical letter. And we see Paul's instructions both to Timothy and to the local church at Ephesus. In fact, when we look at this letter, it first of all can help us individually because it tells us as we seek to stand for Jesus Christ. That's one of the things we're doing as we look at the, the, the uh, passages from 1 Timothy. It helps us as we do that. Also, as we seek to be an example, as we want to live for Christ and be an example to others, and then as we use our gifts. So this letter helps us in that way, but it's also written in a sense to a local church, and it helps in that way. In fact, Paul has given information dealing with false teachers, appointing men to leadership, the public ministry of the Word or of the church where we're reading the Word, teaching the Word, and applying the Word. As we move into chapter 5, he then begins to deal with relationships. And if you remember, in this passage, he deals with older and younger men and older and younger women. And we've already seen that. We'll kind of review that just a little bit. But then he gets to an area that most people people don't want to deal with or don't haven't really thought about or says, well, what's the church supposed to do about that? And that's the issue of the widows. The widows. And some questions we want to think about when we think about this. First, who are widows and who are widows indeed? Because the Bible says there are widows and then there are widows indeed. And we talked about that a little bit last week. And then to raise the question, who cares for the widows? And then the next part is, are all widows under the support and protection of the local church? How does that fit? So this morning, as we continue, in fact, really this passage, starting about verse 3 through verse 16, deals with widows. This morning, we're just going to go 5 through 10. We'll see some things there. We want to focus on the widows. We might call them the widows indeed, and we'll see how this fits together. So there's a lot there. You know, when you think about the Bible and you start looking at it, you see there are a lot of famous people in the Bible. You think of people like Peter and Paul and David and Solomon and all of that. And when you study the Bible, you think about these people, you say things like, you know, they just... They're just way beyond us. I mean, they're, they're just so special. We think about the beginning of the church. Think about the church in Jerusalem and the spread of the message. And there were people like Peter and James and John and Barnabas and Paul, even Timothy. And we think about that and we think about the church and we say, you know, the, the church then was, was better than it is today. That's what a lot of people say. Acts 2.42, it says they met together for the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. And so they met together. And so we see all that and we think, like, well, what we need to do is... Every Everybody needs to get back to be like it was in the first century. Well, the truth is this. They had problems. They had problems in their churches just like their problems. I mean, if you read, if you ever studied First and Second Corinthians, you realize that the Corinthian church was probably the worst church you've ever heard of. They had problems in every area. And when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, he's correcting problem after problem. Even when he writes 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and he's dealing with, remember, the false teachers and all those other things. Churches had problems. When you go all the way back to the beginning in Acts chapter 6, a problem developed at the very beginning of the church on taking care of widows. They actually had food that they would give out daily to take care of widows. But some of the widows were, 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 uh, were being left out, and they were beginning to let the word be known. Hey, we're getting left out. This is not working. And so they had to deal with that. Today we deal with the same kind of issues. We deal with issues of false teaching. We deal with issues of standing for Christ. We even are to deal with the issues... Of, of widows. What is the local church supposed to do about widows? We want to be faithful to the Word of God. Let me just say this. This subject is often overlooked. It's not dealt with. The truth is this. Most of you know if you've come to Countryside for any length of time, we do what we call expository teaching. We go verse by verse, passage by passage through the Bible. When you do it that way, you cannot skip any of the hard passages. You can't skip any of the dull passages. You can't skip any passages, you know. And so a lot of people, the truth is, they want to pick out subjects and things that people are interested in or they'll say, well, we just got to study this or we just want to talk about this. The truth is we need to know the entire counsel of the Word of God. 
And that's why he talked about studying the word, teach, read the word, teach the word, exhort the word, and that's what we're supposed to do. So we get into a subject that about the, the widows. And for some would say, well, th- how does that affect me? Well, it affects all of us. It affects the local church. It affects you in your life. It affects your family. And we'll see how that ties together. So beginning at verse 3 all the way through 16, he deals with a subject that we need to understand. Well, as we get into it, let me, let me remind you, at the start of chapter 5, he dealt with relationships relationships. In fact, that was a key. And he talked about older men and younger men and older women and younger women. And he said, Timothy, this is how you deal with it. And this is one of the things that's true for us. We said, how do we deal with people in the body? And here's what we've came up with that from the scripture. It said, older men, we need to look at them and treat them as fathers. There's a whole idea of respect and honor. So we look at older men as fathers. We look at older women as mothers. Respect and honor. We look at other younger guys and we say, well, they're like brothers in Christ. And then we look at the younger women. We say they're like sisters in Christ. We're to look at each other as family. Because remember, when as many as received him, the, them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. John 1.12, we're children of God, we're in the family of God. And so we need to look at each other in that way. Now from that, that was verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. From there he begins to deal, starting at verse 3 through 16, he deals with this whole issue of widows. Let me break down a passage for you. First of all, we saw last week in verses 3 and 4 that he talks about the two different kinds of widows in the scripture. And we'll see that. And then this morning we'll get into basically... 5 through 10, but we're going to see in 5 and 6 a contrast between widows who live for God and those who live for self. And then we're going to see the charge to teach and to provide. We'll see that in verses 7 and 8. And then we'll go pretty quickly through this at the very end. We'll see the qualification for widows indeed. In other words, you understand that there was a list that they actually took certain widows, put them on the list, and they provided for them through the church. But we're going to see what the list is. Why did a person qualify for that? So there's There's a lot there. Now, we saw last time, and what I want to remind you, there are actually two groups of widows. There's a widow that has family. They just called a widow in the Scripture. They ask family to take care of them, have children, grandchildren, those kind of things. Then there's ones called widows indeed, and they're alone. They have no family. They have no one to take care of them. And so there are two groups, and practically speaking, what we saw is that the widows have family, and it's the family's responsibility to take care of the widows. But a widow indeed who has no family is to be supported and provided from by the church. That is if they meet certain requirements. And the requirements are age and character. And we're going to see that right at the very end. But it's a pretty powerful thing. Well, let's, let's begin. Last week we saw widows indeed and widows. Let's, let's be reminded of this. We want to talk about widows indeed. Look at verse 3. It says, honor widows who are widows indeed. Now, the word uh, honor there means to keep on honoring. It has the idea of, 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 of taking care of and having responsibility for and looking out for. And it's sort of meeting the needs there. And so he says, honor those widows who are widows indeed. That means they don't have any family. There's not even a possibility. Best we can tell, there wouldn't even be a possibility of marriage. And so here's this woman who's lost her husband, and she has no family, nobody to take care of her. She meets the characteristics and qualifications. We'll talk about that later. The Bible actually says, well, keep on honoring her. Keep on taking care of the widow indeed. Then he makes the contrast of the widow. Go ahead to the next slide. The widow, which has family to provide for them. Notice verse 4. But if any widow has children or grandchildren... They must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, a widow has family, and he says it's the responsibility of the family 
the children, the grandchildren, the family to provide. Notice how he puts it. If a widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn. He says, first of his importance. He says, this is the first thing they need to do. They need to learn to practice piety. Piety means godliness. They need to live godly lives and make return to their own family. In the same way that mama and daddy raised us up and they took care of us and they provided for us, it may come a time, and we talked about this last week, there may come a time when the child has to give back to the parent. We talked last week that there are three things in your parent-child relationship. You are to obey your parents as long as you're under their authority. You are to honor them as long as you live. And there may come a time that you provide for them. I'll go over that at the very end of the message this morning. I'll remind you of that. But here's what we see. There may come a time that the children or the grandchildren are to take care of their parents. In this particular passage, he's talking about a widow. And he says, if there's a widow and she has children or grandchildren, they must Take care. They are to make return to their families. The truth is this. It's not the government's responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. It's the family's responsibility. We're going to see more of this in just a little bit and see how it fits together. So he says make return to their parents. Give back to their parents. Now, from this, as he continues on, he talks about what we call widows indeed. That's the ones who have no one. And in widows indeed, he says two things about them. He says those, he's going to talk about widows indeed, there's two kinds. Those who hope in God and live for God and those who live for self. You can already say, well, one sounds right to me. Live for God, living for self doesn't seem right. That's exactly right. He's going to show us there are two different kinds of widows indeed. Now, widows indeed don't have anybody to take care of them. He says, there are those who live for God, whose hope is in God, and there are those who live for self. Let's look at the first one. Those who hope or live in God. Look what he says. Now, she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God, and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. The first thing he says is those, these are the ones who live for God, and, and, and they have their hope fixed on God. Notice what it says. She is a widow indeed. She's been left alone. She has no family, no husband, no children, no grandchildren. She has no one to take care of her. It says that what she's done, though, she has, number one, she has fixed her hope on God. That means she trusts God. Now, I want you to understand this. This the way it's written, it's past tense. It doesn't mean that now that she's in this situation, she's going to start trusting God. It's mean that she's that kind of woman that has trusted God. She has put her hope in God. She has always had her hope in God. She has trusted God. She is that kind of person. She is trusting God to take care of her. There's a second thing about her, and, and that she continues in prayers Day and night. She has a ministry of prayer. Notice, she continues in the entreaties and prayers night and day. We're going to find that widows indeed, who were living godly lives, they had a ministry of prayer. They were in the church. They were praying. They had their hope in God. Now, I want you to understand, that's what the widows indeed were supposed to be. Here's this woman. She, has, she had a husband. He's gone. She has no children. She has no close family. She has no one to take care of her. And yet she's the kind of woman that says, my life is for Jesus Christ. My life is for God. I'm going to live for him. I trust him. I pray. I want to pray for the church. I want to pray for the people. That's the kind of person that she is. And it's very powerful. She has a ministry of prayer. But there's a contrast. Because not all widows indeed were like this. Notice he gives the contrast. And those are those who live for themselves. Notice the next verse. But 
She who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Now this verse actually says that this is a person who is seeking pleasure for themselves rather than living for God. Now when I, when I started to study this, you'd think this. You'd say, okay, there's widows indeed, and they have nobody to take care of them. Some of them are on fire for Christ. That's great. And then some of them aren't on fire for Christ. Well, that's okay. He doesn't say it that way. He calls these who aren't living for God. It's really a negative verse. It says, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. He says she is living for herself and for pleasure. And he says she's dead while she's alive. She's talking, he's talking about spiritually dead. He's talking about that she's out of fellowship. She's not serving or living for God. And he makes a contrast. He says that here's this widow indeed who is living for the Lord. She's got her hope on God and she prays. He says, but there's some others who are living for themselves. Now, I brought this out in the first service. This is really sort of hard. But notice verse 6 when it says, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure. You know what wanton pleasure means? The Greek word literally has something to do with sexuality. It has to do with sex. So it's a really negative statement. So he says, now there are widows indeed who are living for God, and there are widows indeed who are not living for God. And what we find all the way through the scripture is this, that the widows indeed who are living for God are to be supported, but the widows who are living for themselves, they've either got to get the family, get married, something else. They can't be supported by the church because they're not living godly lives. And let me explain something to you. When I say supported by the church, it actually is the idea that in that time that they would take those widows, they would move them in, and they would take care of them, and they would spend their time serving the church, working for the body, and praying. So you can see this is a spiritual position. It has to be a godly woman. So if a woman's not living for God, she can't have that position. She can't be taken care of by the church and have that ministry. So that's why he's talking about this. So look what he goes on to say in verse 7. He says, prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. He's basically saying, command these things. Command what? Command these instructions to the families, to the children, to the widows. Put this all together. It's got to be done a certain way. The widows must be above reproach if they're going to take that position. So who is to take care of the widows? Paul's going to come back to this idea. But you know... In real life, who takes care of widows? Well, the bottom line goes to verse 8, and here's what it is. It's family. Notice verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The bottom line, it is the family who takes care of the widows. Now, there are going to be some exceptions, and there's going to be some widows indeed who have nobody. But primarily, he says, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially of those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, I want you to look at this passage carefully. This passage, it's masculine here. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for his household, he has denied the faith. You understand it is the man's responsibility to be the provider, protector of his family. It is the man's responsibility to be the provider, protector. I do premarital counseling a lot. When we bring him in and we talk about the role of the husband and the wife, it is the husband's responsibility to provide and protect his family. 
That's not our culture today. Our culture says it's both to be providers, protectors. No, it's not. It is the man's responsibility to provide and protect. It says here, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, his family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It doesn't mean he's not a believer. It says he's not living like a believer. He's denying the faith. He's not living by the Scripture. So believers are to provide and protect their family. They're not to live like unbelievers. Because that's, he says, that's even worse than an unbeliever. Because he says unbelievers take care of their families. So bottom line, widows are provided by their families. Widows indeed are to be provided by the church if they meet the qualifications. It's pretty straightforward. What are these qualifications? What about a woman? You know, I, I started thinking through our church, and we have a number of widows. But we have no widows indeed. We have a number of widows. But all of the widows that we have connected in our church have family. And the family is responsible. I mentioned this last week at the very end of the service that uh, that my dad died when I was 26. And my mother died about 11 or 12 years ago. And after my dad died and then some years later my mother uh got pretty sick and she had three open heart surgeries and then one uh, colon cancer surgery and so she went through a real hard time for a while and uh, basically what money she had was gone and I have an older brother and an older sister and a twin sister and we felt biblically it's our responsibility to take care of my mother she was a widow she had family my brother lives in Williamsburg, Virginia. My oldest sister lives in Santa Rosa, California. My twin sister lives in Memphis, and I live here. We moved my mother to Memphis, and she was less than a mile from my twin sister all the rest of her life. And my twin sister went by every day, and every month we sent our family, made sure we sent money so it was enough to take care of my mother. It was the responsibility of the family to do that. There may come a time in your life, especially young people, because this service has a lot of the college people, a lot of young people. It may come a time in your life that you're going to have to take care of your folks. You're going to have to take care of your mom or your daddy or both. There may come that time. And this is what he says. He says, the fam- if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially those of his household, he's denied the faith worse than an unbeliever. Look down at verse 16 because he gives it from the other slant. He says, if any woman who is a believer has a dependent widow or has dependent widows, she must assist them. And and that the church must not be burdened so that they may assist those who are widows indeed. The responsibility of a local church would be for widows indeed who meet the qualifications. The other widows are to be taken care of by their families. That's the key. Now, what about these people? What about a widow indeed who had no one? What qualifications must she meet if she's going to be taken care of by the church? We'll start in verse 9 and 10, and I'm going to go very fast through these. I want you to see these characteristics. Notice verse 9. It says, a widow is to be put on the list only if, and then it begins to say things. There was a list. They literally means to be enrolled. You understand that they, they had a list of widows that they took care of, that actually worked for the church because they made a vow. When they agreed to go on the roll and to be supported by the church, they made a vow that they would have a ministry of prayer and service for the rest of their lives. 
Okay, now let's see the qualifications. Verse 9, a widow is to be put on the list only, number one, if she's not less than 60 years old. She had to be at least 60. Now, I don't know why they came up with that age. And by the way, at that time, 60 years old was a lot older than 60 years old is today. We live a lot longer nowadays. And so this was an older person. She was put on this list, so she had to at least be 60 years old. She's going to have a responsibility of prayer and intercession and service and good works. Look at the second qualification, and is she had to be the wife of one man, literally a one-man woman. Notice what it says, having been the wife of one man. Now, I want you to understand that. That doesn't mean that, let's say she was married and her husband died and she married somebody else and he died. And somebody say, well, she's out of the list because she had more than one husband. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a one-man type woman. If you remember back in chapter 3 and we were given the characteristics of an elder and it had to be a one-woman type man, that means he had to be the kind of man that just is satisfied with one woman and he's got his wife and his woman and he's not looking for others. Well, in the same way, this is a one-man type woman. She's got her husband, and she's not looking around for other men. She's got to be that kind of woman, a godly woman in that way. The third thing, and this is powerful, is she had to have a reputation or a testimony for doing good works. Verse 10 says, have a reputation for good works. There was a woman in the church, in the early church. Her name was Dorcas. Her other name was Tabitha. And she died. She was a widow. She died. Peter was close by, and some of the people called him and said, Dorcas just died. Come over here, see if you can do something. When he got there, they had already taken Dorcas's body, and they had laid her out, washed the body, and she was laying out in a room. And when Peter got there, people came up to him. Other people came up to him and said, this is what she made me. This is what she did for me. It was just thing after thing. She was one of those godly women that had a testimony of good works. This is the kind of woman we're talking about. Now, let me just say this. For a person to meet these qualifications, they can't get into a position of being a widow indeed and say, hey, from now on, I'll start living this way. This is what her life was to be characterized before this time. It's sort of like a guy saying, I'd like to be an elder, and if you put me as an elder, I'll start living out like an elder's supposed to live. No, you're supposed to live like an elder's supposed to live before you get to be an elder. And if you're going to be on the widow indeed list, you've got to live like the person's supposed to be on the widow indeed list long before you get on the list. hope that makes sense. So he says, having a reputation of good works. And then the rest of these, you'll notice it says, if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, if she has devoted herself. Those are all first-class ifs in Greek, which literally means since. This is what she's done. And I'm going to go quickly through these. Here's the, the fourth one. She has brought up children. That's what it says. If she has brought up children or since she has brought up children, she's raised children. Titus says that the role of the woman is to love her husband, love her children, be a pure woman, take care of the home, that kind of thing. That's in Titus chapter 2. Now, I want you to notice something. This verse doesn't say if she has brought up her children. Look at it carefully. It says if she's brought up children. It implies that she has brought up her children, but it may be that she's helped other children as well. It doesn't limit her just to have brought up her children. It could be in that day and time there were many orphans, there were many kids, that she may have been the kind of woman that says, look, y'all just have to come live with us because we got to take care of you because you don't have a mom or a daddy. That's the kind of woman we're talking about. It goes on to say, the next one, 
If she has shown hospitality to strangers, literally the Greek, it, it means to uh, be a lover of strangers. It means to open the home. It's the kind of person that she, she wanted people to come into her home. In the first century, that was very important. When people traveled, there weren't hotels. If you were a Christian and you traveled to a town, you got there, it was night. Where are you going to stay? You found out. You, you found out where Christians were, and you went to the doors, and you said, Are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. I need a place to stay. Some people said sorry, and some people said, come right on in. She had to be the kind of woman that said, come right on in, opening their home. She was known as one of those people. One of the questions we could raise ourselves, how do we, how are we doing in this area? You know, we got this new program thing we just started called Adopt a Student. Oh, it's going to be so fun. If, you ha- if you're a student and you haven't signed up for that, you go sign up and, and get your picture out there because what's going to happen is families are going to come by and they're going to go, I'll take this one. And they're going to adopt you, Right? So you better smile, look good, put down, you know, love families, you know, and all that. And you'll get a great opportunity for somebody to open their home for you and say, we want you to come be with us while you're in college. We want you to be with our family and go out to eat with us and do this and do this. And you'll get to see that. And so one of the questions we've asked our families, you know, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go on that wall and take those names off the wall? Get more than one if you want to. So... College students, be sure and sign up. There's another one. Number six, she washed the saints' feet. Now, that sounds a little funny, but what it really means is servanthood. In that day and time, as you know, the streets weren't paved. People wore sandals. When they got into people's homes, their feet were dirty. Usually at the doorway, there was a place of water. And if they had a servant, the servant washed people's feet. If they didn't have servants, somebody in that family would come and wash their feet so that they would be clean when they came in. He's saying she's got to be the kind of woman that's been a servant that takes care of people, that loves people. And then there's another one. She was assisted, helped those in trouble. Notice what it says. If she's assisted those in distress. And the idea of trouble is persecution. Because at that time, a lot of times believers, people were Christians, were persecuted. Or it could just mean trials and problems. She's the kind of person that was there for people. And then last but not least is eight, which said she devoted herself to good works. She planned to do good works. She pursued good works. That's how it says she has devoted herself to every good work. She made a decision she would do good. Titus chapter 3 says that believers are to dedicate themselves to do good. So let me give you. Here they are. She had to be 60 or older, one woman, a one-man type woman. The reputation of doing good works had to raise children, open her home, served others, aided those in trouble, and made the decision that she's going to do good works and be devoted to this. This had to be a lifestyle pattern. It wasn't that it is now time to get put on the list. I'll start doing these things. This is what she was supposed to be like before she ever got put on the list. That's the kind of people they looked for. Now, let me say this. That didn't mean that the church didn't help. If a person wasn't living right and they were a widow, it didn't mean the church didn't help that person. But this was a particular responsibility in which a person made a vow to the church that they would serve the church for as long as they lived, for the rest of their lives, and the church would in turn take care of them and provide for them. Okay? So it's it's a big step. And as I said earlier, as I think about our church, and I thought about it this morning, uh, we've got widows in our church. But as far as I know, we have no widows indeed that have no family. And if we did have a widow indeed, we would have to look over this right here before we could say, we want to, be, we want to take care of you. We're going, what's your rent? What's your electric? What's your gas? We're going to take care of you. That's what we're talking about. This is a big deal. And that's why we have to fit the Scripture. Let me just say this to you. We decided a long time ago, I came here 25 years ago, 
uh, about 25 years ago, and we decided from the very beginning that whatever we did at this church would go back to the Scripture, not a denomination or not a constitution that somebody had written down, but what does the Scripture actually say? And so we're obligated as a body of believers to follow the patterns, the truths, and the principles from God's Word, and that's our plan. Well, what were they supposed to do? They had a responsibility, and that was to pray and to minister in the church. That was the key. Picture this, a mature, godly woman within the body having a ministry of prayer and intercession and service, and the church took care of them. Next time, we talk about younger widows, younger than 60. Notice verse 11, but refuse to put younger widows on the list. Why? Why? We'll see next week on what it is. We've seen that widows, if a widow has have family, they're to be supported by the family. If there's a widow indeed and fits the characteristics, they're to be supported by the church. Let me give you some applications very quickly. First of all, may we fulfill our responsibility to the widows. First of all, as a church, let's provide for the widows indeed. If there happens to be widows indeed, we should have a role. We should take care of them. We should do that. They have to uh, qualify. They have to fit the characteristics found in the Scripture. So here's a question for widows. If the time comes, and think about a person now, if you say, well, what if someday I'm a widow? What if someday I was a widow indeed? What if that happened to you? Would you qualify? Would you be living the kind of life that if it ever happened, that you would say, well, I fit the characteristics of a widow indeed. So as a woman, you want to live godly. For the younger widows, there may be time that there would be help from the church, but not lifelong support. This is what this is talking about. Individually. I think the next slide. Individually, we want to feel our responsibility individually as families were to provide. We're to provide children and grandchildren and families. You provide for the widows in your family. It's your responsibility. There's no other way around it. Who else is supposed to take care of them? Do you know one of the things I ask? Now, this is a little bit different, but there are people who come to the church almost every day and ask for money. They come into the office and they say, I, I need some money. A lot of times they give them to me. And I, I said, the first question I ask is, where's your family? Where's your family? You're coming to us to ask for money. and That's, that's okay. But where's your family? Why isn't your family giving you any money? Where, where do they live? Why, where, what's the connection? What's happened to your family? I want you to know that a lot of times we help people. We help people a lot of times. Sometimes we don't. But a lot of times we do. But that's the first question you ask when somebody has a need. Where's your family? As far as the whole idea of the widows, it begins with the family. Now remember, I, I talked about uh, parent, child to parent. You obey them as long as you're under their authority. You honor them as long as you live. And there may come a time that you provide for them. A lot of you are young. And you see your mom and daddy and they're strong and healthy and everything seems to be fine. And you can't hardly picture that you might have to take care of your mama or daddy or both. But you might. So be ready. May we provide for those in our family, especially widows. May we fulfill our responsibility to widows both as a church and individually. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord. There's just so much here. We want to fulfill our responsibilities as a church. May we do exactly what the Bible tells us to do, Lord, so that we'll be faithful as a local body. And then individually, Lord, in our families, that we would take care of people in our families who have needs.
And if uh, if there happens to be someone who has no family at all, uh, and Lord, and they fit the characteristics, I pray that we as a church would do what is right. I think about children and to parents and for all of us that we obey our parents as long as we're under their authority. We honor them always, and we provide for them if the time comes. Thank you, Lord, for this body of believers. Thank you for these young people because they make a huge difference on this campus, Lord. Please keep using them. Use them to touch lives, not only lives on that campus, but even our own church. Thank you for the way you use them in our lives, especially my life. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.